Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you're listening. Today, I'm chatting with Jill Falser. Jill and I met at the summer camp I worked at for a few summers during college. Her and her husband live and work out there full-time with their three adorable kiddos. Jill shares her story today, and we talk about what it looks like to wait on the Lord especially during really tough seasons when it's hard to understand what exactly God is doing. Jill will inspire you to keep pressing on because He is worth it. In whatever your battle, He is worth the waiting. I'm excited for you to hear, so let's get on with it. Hey Jill, how's it going? So good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. It's been kind of, you know, months and months in the making. Like, honestly, you were the first person I put on my list. I don't know why. I love you. I think that's why. But also, the Lord was just like, you need to have Jill. And I was like, okay. And then months later, I finally found some time without children and crazy. So I'm excited. Tell us, I mean, you have a crazy life, so tell us about yourself and your crazy life. Well, my name's Jill, and I'm the graduating class of 2004 Aggie. Whoop! Whoop. I have to say that, because you're an Aggie. That's right. And, um, well, I am 36 years old, which I feel like I'm still 26, so it's cool. I'm still relevant. True. Um, So it's great. My husband and I, uh, well, my husband worked out full-time at Sky Ranch, which is a Christian summer camp, you know, because you work there, but for the world. Um, and we've been out here. We met out here in 2002, so we've been married. Uh, we got married in 2004, so we're about to celebrate 14 years, which is awesome. So wow. we've been here since then. Yeah, 14 years. And we now have three little rugrats, also known as children, running around uh, so a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-and-a-half-year-old. So our life is just fun all the time. Yes, your kids are so cute and so fun. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> Depends on the day. So. <laughs> Depends on the day, huh? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes, I miss I miss your kiddos and, and being around you guys. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so why don't you start us off, Jill? Um, I'd love for you to share your story. I know that's kind of like a big question, and um, your story is super impactful. And so would you just kind of tell us, like, what your life was like pre-Jesus and how you came to know him? Okay, so I was a big fat sinner. I still am. <laughs> um, okay, so I... I'm 36, right? So that's like a lot of years to live life. So I'm going to bullet point some things. Uh, but I'm willing and love talking about all of them. I just told told you this earlier that I would we would be here for like 17 hours because I love to share. I love sharing what God has done. I think that as believers, we have been called to share our stories, like not our story and like, oh, all about Jill, but like his story through us is what brings him glory. And so I love sharing mm-hmm. it, even though I hate my sin and just being out there in the world for everybody to know and for my kids to hear someday all the details. I just feel so much freedom when I hear that somebody else has walked through something and God has like set them free from sin. So I'm maybe more graphic than I need to be or more detailed sometimes in things. Uh, but it's never to bring that sin glory or to think that other people, I don't know. It's, it's always for darkness to be brought to light for freedom. So I just wanted to say, that, uh, before I start, but 
I grew up in a small town and my parents were divorced when I was younger. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and my mom knew she just needed to kind of get us away from that. So we moved and she remarried to an awesome guy and they had another kid. So I have an older brother and a younger sibling and I love them. I include them always cause I just feel bad if I don't. Um, but we lived in a small town, grew up. I loved sports. I loved friends and people. Uh, my identity was definitely not in the Lord. Um, it was in people and things and titles. And uh, I really struggled with like wanting to be a part of this unspoken crowd. And I just did everything I could to like fit what I thought that was. So it might look like sporty girl one day and then like nice to all the people who aren't popular the next day. And then Uh, really care about your family one day or go to church one day. Like it just, I kind of bounced from circle to circle. I had a group of friends that were like, what small town? You have like your best friends that are, you grew up with your whole life. But I was a queen of caring what everyone in the whole world thought about me Mm -hmm. and wanting to be the most liked, the most favorited, the best at everything. So just prideful and um, had some self-esteem issues that like, just needing to be liked. And um, so I kind of went through junior high school struggling with those things, but not talking about them because where I'm like back then, like we didn't talk about any of those things. Like mm-hmm. we didn't talk about real stuff. We talked about boys and sports and like family stuff, but not these like inner emotion thoughts. I didn't, I wouldn't have even known how to capture those. So my freshman year in high school through my senior year in college, my dad uh, got arrested and he was in, prison for drinking and driving and some other things. And so, uh, my, my real dad, that's kind of, that's him. And so he didn't really play a huge part in my life until I went to college. Uh, and then he ended up in a prison close to Texas A&M where I went, whoop, gig max again. Uh, (laughs) And so I got to see him and build a relationship with him. And that was all during the time that in college is when I came to know the Lord, like gave my life to him when I was 19, like November of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that high school, I like dated a guy, uh, struggled a lot with sexual sin. Um, but in a huge part, not a, but struggled with sexual sin. Um, and I struggled a lot with lying. Uh, lying is a huge part of my testimony and just didn't tell the truth with stupid stuff, sometimes big stuff to get out of trouble or to make my mom not be mad at me. Uh, but a lot of times it was like about watching a show that everybody else had watched and I didn't want to feel left out. So I like, wanted to be cool. So I'd like say I watched it. Mm-hmm. which is the dumbest lie, you know, like just dumb stuff, like little white lies and then big lies. And, uh, until college, until I met the Lord, like I never owned that I was a liar. Like I would be so angry at people who would call me a liar and catch me in a lie. I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I would turn crazy woman and I just would turn it and say they were lying. Like I just didn't want to be known as less than awesome and perfect. And knowing I wasn't those things, it was obvious to the world that I wasn't those things. Um, and so I ended up losing all my friends, my senior in high school because I'm a liar and I was Mm -hmm. rude and said something bad about somebody. And it was really cool though, because I felt like the Lord broke me, like allowed me to be broken from my own sin is really what it was in my own just worldliness. Mm -hmm. Uh, before I went to A&M, he just, he like set it up perfectly. You know, like I look back and I'm like, he picked me. Like that's what I, think. I just look at my life and I'm like, I cannot believe he plucked me out of Bowie, Texas, out of my high school, out of where I was and put me in the place I was with the friends I was with, with the organizations I was in at Texas A&M. Like it just, 
Like, I want to cry anytime I talk about it <clears throat> because he's so good. And I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve his goodness. And he saved me anyway. So anyway, I was a big fat liar, full of sexual sin and just identity crisis. I drank all the time. I did all those things. So go to college. I'm excited about AM, fresh start, yada, yada. Uh, get put in a sorority I didn't want because they love Jesus and uh, didn't party. And so that's, I wanted Christians who could do like all of it, you know, uh, because I walked an aisle when I was seven, but I walked it because my brother walked the aisle and I repeated a prayer, but I didn't think I was a sinner and there was no real life change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people have questioned that, you know, like, Hey, you probably, that was real. Salvation was real. Then and you just weren't being sanctified, right? We use that word a lot, sanctified. And I'm like, no, one, I didn't know what that word was, but two, it wasn't, I didn't rededicate my life my freshman year in college. I met Jesus Christ for the first time. And I know that because I know my own sin and know my own heart. And I know what I did when I was seven wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And I claimed something that wasn't true. And that's the biggest danger, right? As a believer is that we have so many believers or so many, so many people who are claiming Christ that aren't really Christians. And I'd rather I'm just like, why not just admit it? Why not just say, I don't love Jesus and I want to live for this world. Right? But we're so terrified of what people will think as believers or not believers that we just live a lie. We mm-hmm. like proclaim something that's not true. So I did that. Yes, I was proclaiming everything, like whatever somebody needed me to be at be. And so freshman year, I was partying with my brother and his group and going to Bible studies with this new group I was in. And uh, I got in this like leadership organization called Fish Aids. The only reason I say it is because uh, it changed my life. It's it's it being around the women that were in that group and the leader of that group and seeing these girls joyful and like being honest and like telling the truth, like just Mm -hmm. living out a faith that I thought that I had, but I didn't want to admit that I knew I didn't have. And I saw it and it was real. And you know it, you know, it the first time that you've come in contact, if you haven't been walking with the Lord and you don't know the Lord and you're in the presence of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time you see it for real, it changes everything. Yeah. Like all the questions, all the trust. Like, I'm like, what? That's what I want, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to get it. And I can't let them know that that's not who I am now. So I've got to hide it. I've got to push it down and not be honest. And so I did that for a while. And then uh, November, my freshman year, it's, I would tell the 30 minute story if I could, but just Beth Moore came to speak. It was awesome. She came and she was like, I was going to talk about something else, but actually I'm going to talk about sexual sin and what it looks like to be completely set free from that. Um, I think about Psalm 107, 14 now it's one of my favorites. Um, and it says he brought them, he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and he burst their bonds apart. And how God doesn't just unlock our chains. He doesn't just unlock our sin. He doesn't just free us from it. He burst our bonds apart. He literally is like, get out, you know, like mm. from from the shadow of death, which you think that is imminent when you're struggling with something, when something's so sorrowful or hard or when something is so sinful and wrong, you feel like you cannot overcome it because if anyone actually discovers who you really are, you're toast. Like you have nobody. You're going to be all alone because you've been living this big fat lie. Yeah which I think is who we are as sinful believers. Like we just are so scared still of our sin. And I was just so ashamed of my sexual sin and uh, was still living in it at that point. And so I didn't, I didn't know how to like repent of that, but still, I still wanted it. I don't know if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. God brought Beth Moore and Beth Moore brought it 
brought <laughs> truth, like <laughs> the word of God, in such a bold way that I just walked out of there free. Mm-hmm. And I saw who my I, I saw these girls who love Jesus rally around me and push me to Christ for the rest of my college career. Like they they loved me. They didn't care that I was a liar. They knew I was wasn't honest about who I was. They knew I was partying on the weekends and with my high school boyfriend on the weekends and not at church. Like they knew that. Uh, but I was still show up for Bible study on Tuesdays and they still believed in me and they, they didn't care about all the sin. They cared about me. You know, they wanted to be my friend and they chose me in spite, not, I thought it was in spite of all those things, but because of who I am completely and my story and just loving me for who I was. And I think the Lord really used those friendships to, restore me well just to restore some things in my own heart and life like just confidence and um, character and integrity and learning that it's actually easier to tell the truth uh, than it is to tell lies and to walk in that like I just I had to learn what it looked like to walk in freedom and that was my whole call that's still me you know you know I'm 36 and still learning that but college was really learning what truth is and how to live it out and how to throw off every sin that entangles right like that's what scripture says to throw it off. And I just wanted to like gently place it down and pick it up if I wanted it later. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, after I worked at Sky Ranch, a summer, like the summer camp that we work at now, uh, in love, uh, it changed my whole world, my whole perspective on the Lord. And I got to see God use my sin and use it for his glory. And like people had said that and use the word glory and all those things. I was still learning all the Christian lingo. Right. But I saw, I got to be with high school girls and, I got to see the Lord literally take my nasty sexual sin brokenness and love on this girl who didn't have to know. She didn't know the details of my story in my life, but I got to see God use it to allow me to have grace for her and compassion and understanding and just meet her where she was and like love on her. And she got to like start following the Lord that summer. And he would literally, I got to watch him redeem her life. Uh, when she went back home and got to be part of it. Now she has two kids and just loves the Lord. And it's just, it's just cool to like see how the Lord takes our stories and uses him for his glory when we let him and what that actually means lived out. So I got to see that in in college a lot. I met my husband in college at camp. Woohoo! Camp romance. You better believe it. We had 10 couples married that are still married today that came out of that summer. Oh my goodness. That's insane. It's like a record. (laughs) I don't think we're supposed to say that because you're not supposed to date at camp, but you know, we all dated <laughs> post camp, post camp, everybody. We all know what uh, happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like my family, um, kind of didn't like Clinton at first because they like wanted me to marry my high school boyfriend and they didn't really like, I know they're going to listen to this, but they would agree. Like they just weren't walking with the Lord. Like they thought that my life choices were kind of stupid and I loved stuff and money and spent a lot of it. And they were like, you need that. And uh, I was like, no, no, I need Jesus and Clinton. Um, and so we got married. They ended up giving us our, their blessing. And so we got married, um, worked at camp, which camp life is the best life. So my, I got my end up with my dream job. I got to like love on high school, junior high girls and college girls because we recruit 400 of them mm-hmm. um, or 400, you know, college staff. And so just really love, oh man, I just feel like we got to live the best life. Like, uh, we got to learn like through like we both are mentored like through college and then uh, which changed my whole world. Thank you, Rebecca. Shout out. But um, I got to learn what truth is. I didn't I didn't know the Bible at all in college and 
uh, at Sky Ranch, I like bought a children's Bible because I'd done like three Bible studies at that point and read the Gospels. But that's all I knew. I didn't know what a sacrifice was. I didn't know like what they talked about the temple or they talked about prophets or uh, Moses. Like I'd heard his name, but like I did not know all the Bible stories. And I felt like ashamed of that my first night of camp because I'm like, everybody knows more than me. Mm. These are all these awesome, mm. like all-star, five-star believers. And I am once again caught in this place where I like do believe. Like I now know I'm confident I'm a believer. I've been set free in Christ. Like I broke, I've broken the chains, right? Like mm. I'm not living mm. in that life anymore. But I still, I like felt shame around all these believers because I didn't know as much like knowledge as them about the Bible, which is all of it, like so many of us get caught up in that, that don't know. And instead of just owning and telling the truth that we don't know, we like try to cover it up or pretend. And, you know, I'm not in the business of doing that anymore because God was very clear in the scripture that we need to tell the truth. And so I was like, I'm going to tell the truth. I have to say this to my manager. And I told her and she's like, oh, Tully, you're still going to be with high school girls and you need to go buy a children's Bible. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I did. And I read that thing front to end, front to back, front to back, front to back. And it was so awesome. And I love it because I learned the stories I learned. And then I'd go read them in my big girl Bible um, after that and like read the, the like full story. And it taught me the story of God. And uh, it was really cool and very humbling when my high school girls would say, what are you doing? Like, Learning about the Old Testament. I don't really know a lot about it. And they're like, me neither. And so we'd read out loud our children's Bible all like during regroup and or during our like alone time or whatever. So anyway, um, got married, got to, we got to sit under a couple, our first year of marriage, which was incredible. Um, they like met with us every week for dinner, uh, the Wiest family. And we got to see them raise their kids and they got to talk to us. Like it was like postmarital counseling. Cause we were <laughs> Clinton had moved to college station after he graduated. Cause my parents wanted him to live in the same town. So we did that. And then, he got a job, moved to Camp Champions. And then uh, when I got there, so like we read a book together and answered questions, but we didn't have time to do like sit down premarital counseling. And so mm -hmm. this couple was like, we'll do it. But we'll do it after you get married, be married for six weeks and then come see us. And so we were in their home for nine months straight every other week. It literally built our foundation. Like God used them to like walk us through finances and actually build a budget. And when we were having difficulty with uh, conflict, they just walk us through it. And so I just feel so taken care of. Like the, the guide was like, I'm going to set you up really well. And we sought that out. Like you have to seek it out, right? Like you have to go and ask and beg people to meet with you and be your friend and give you all their wisdom. But uh, that's something that I'm just, we're just not ashamed to do. So we did. And uh, it was really cool to have that. And uh, we came back to Sky Ranch and have been here for a long time and have walked through some hard stuff and some good stuff. But the harder stuff, I think, is uh, some of the questions you had tonight. But I'm going to share just a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big things, well, uh, one of the big parts of our story is we had a little boy in 2009. Uh, his name's Jackson Hawk Falser, and he had something called trisomy 13, which is um, typically incompatible with life. And so... I had him at 25 weeks and, uh, he was stillborn, um, and died like two minutes before he came out. So, uh, I got, but we got to hold him and just have a service for him and, uh, just had the coolest service, like celebration for him. Mm -hmm. And I felt so honored as his mom to do that. But it's, I, I share about Jackson because loss, I think is a very common thing in 
my testimony in like weird ways. And so yes, loss of life, but also loss of like dreams and hopes and like what I thought my future would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a lot of stuff going on with my health that it just doesn't, it doesn't look like that because not because God is wrong or his will isn't being lived out or because I'm in deep sin. I've questioned all those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because he's good and his plan is perfect and I'm not in control. And so I think that's a huge part of my testimony is just learning that I'm not in control. I'm not in control of who lives or dies. God is. I'm not in control of the weather. God is. I'm not in control of if I have some weird health condition nobody can figure out. God is. So like if he wanted to heal me, he would, but he hasn't chosen to do that. And so he didn't want Jackson to live. Jackson was never supposed to live outside of my womb ever. And that was so easy for me to believe because scripture says he knit him together and that God knows all of the days that are lived for each life before one of them is lived. Right. In Psalm 139. And that brought us so much comfort instantly because we knew that truth. We're like, okay, God numbered Jackson's days. And so it was so easy for me to walk in that because it was right there in scripture. And I believe scripture, I believe truth. And so it was hard. I mean, I mourned and I grieved and like went through like a three month period of like, you know, just, crying all the time because hormones are crazy and because I wanted a baby and I didn't think I wanted a baby before that. Not yet anyway. And God gave us this baby and prepared my heart to be a mom. And then I had, I just had to mourn that. I had to mourn this dream. I didn't know I had for that point in my life. So I got to go back to work and that was really great. Um, we tried, we had another miscarriage, um, thought about adoption, prayed about that. And then I got pregnant with Cannon, who is our six year old now. And he is healthy and wonderful, and he didn't have to be. God didn't have to do that. Like, God is still good. People are like, oh, God is so good that he gave y'all kids. And I'm like, God was so good when he gave us Jackson. Mm -hmm. Like, none of the circumstances or the blessings we get from God make him better than what he was before. He is always good, and he always works together for good. We just see, like, blessings as like, oh, he's faithful now. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. God is always faithful, even if you never get the baby you've always wanted. Yeah. He is faithful. Even if you never get to marry ever and you hate singleness and you want to marry and you've always wanted to marry and it's a desire of your heart, but he doesn't give it to you. He's still good and he's still faithful. But we use these phrases that make it feel like if we're not getting our dream or someday getting this, if we're like, we're waiting. And then if it doesn't turn into what we want it to be, then God is not faithful or good. And that's just not true. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't change his character. Our response changes our hearts towards him but it doesn't change who he is. And so I think walking through losing a kid, losing our first kid was our first baby, I guess is better to say, uh, just changed my perspective on the faithfulness of God and what it means that God is good. And I needed that. Like I needed, God needed to teach us that so mm-hmm. that we could walk the road that we're walking now. Like, so I don't question his faithfulness when my health is really bad. Yeah. So going into that, I would love for you to just tell us a little bit, about what's going on with your health um, and like how you're learning to wait on the Lord in this time. Whew. Okay. Mm. So just briefly, my health, I have a condition where I pass out a lot. Uh, they labeled it like three different things. So pot syndrome, neurocardiogenic syncope. I still have SVT. I have uh, something called Ehlers-Danlers, something. I, they just diagnosed me with that like two weeks ago. Um <laughs> But I feel like they just keep, like the doctors don't know. They're like, we don't know. We don't know why it's presenting this way. We don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a trial with Mayo Clinic, which is awesome because they're the best at what they do. It's like a team of doctors. Uh, So I think in like five years, if you interviewed me, I would have a different name. Like they're trying to come up with like 
okay, these are the 86 people in the nation we know of that have this, which is the actual number of people they know. Mm-hmm. And we're, they're just doing a lot of research on us, which is cool because I get to be a part of like figuring out a cure, hopefully, um, or something that will help our symptoms. But when I pass out, it's like I don't recover in like 10 minutes. It takes me like two hours. I have to sleep it off and I'm pretty out of it. Um, and so I pass out right now. It used to be like once every year, once every six months, it's just slowly gotten worse. And so now it's like two to eight times a day. Mm-hmm. And so if I wake up at seven and pass out, then I usually get up at like nine and then I pass out again and then it's 11. And then, so if it's eight, I don't get out of bed that day. Like I'm too weak. I can't walk. Um, I use a wheelchair a lot at home. Um, they, I just, I get real weak and fatigued all the time. Like it's really hard for me to be present with my mind. Like I get foggy brains, uh, which sounds like, well, you're tired. You're a mom. That's, that's just mom life, <laughs> but it's not like a Very real different. thing. Uh, yes. Like I've been accused of having Munchausen's, which is now like fictitious disease disorder or whatever. Like every new doctor that I've ever had, which is like 50 are like, are you sure this isn't made up? Like, are you sure? Like, do you have something mentally? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. But that's not what this <laughs> is. I'm not making myself pass out. I promise you. Yeah. They're like, I've I think it's just stress. Questions. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, they've totally, or I don't think you need to eat sugar anymore. I'm like, cool. I'll cut it out. But <laughs> not it. Um, so anyway, that's been a, just a funny journey to just like, like, try, like be like, everybody's questioning this, but I know this is real. Like I am experiencing this. I would not make up a disorder. This is so weird. Um, so I pass out a whole lot, but I, the Lord, so cool. My, so in 2009, we had Jackson and then 2011, we had Cannon. And so a month before I had Cannon, I stopped passing out. And back then I was passing out like four times a week total. So, but never twice in a day. So, but I just stopped passing out and I didn't pass out for three years, three months and two days. Wow. Literally just, I, he healed me. Is that, um, and he did, he gave us a break, Like he gave us time to learn how to be a mom and a dad to, we had Nixon during that time, like, um, just to really like soak it up, you know? And then I it just came back and I started passing out a lot and it has just affected everything. Like I had to quit my job at Sky Ranch. I had to stop making plans. Like I, I have to cancel on people, you know, this all the time because I don't know what my day's going to look like. If I pass out twice, I can totally hang out with you after my kids go to bed. But if I pass out six times, I'm too weak and tired and I can't. And I love people and I love plans and I love doing and going and being and have just so many dreams. Like I want to run the world, like not really, but I wanted to like (laughs) be at Sky Ranch forever and mentor women and start an awesome ministry and like really be plugged into our church. Oh, that's one of the hardest ones for me right now in this season. Like just, I want to be plugged into the body of, to our body, to our local body, to our church is incredible. And there's so many ways that they need people to step up and serve. And I could meet that need. I know I could if I wasn't sick, right? There's always that if right now. And so that's just been the hardest thing is like mourning. Um, like for a long time, I was stuck in this place of like mourning this life that I was never a promise. Like, right. Like God never said, Hey, you're going to get to do this for the rest of your life. Or this, you're going to be able, you're going to be a stay at home mom and you're going to be with your kids all the time. And it's going to be perfect. You're going to bake and like meal plan. And like, I know that sounds so lame to you probably, but <laughs> that would be my dream to be able to plan ahead 
and follow through and take my kids to school and pick them up and be be able to be counted on for something, but mm-hmm. I can't be. Like it's just everything about my identity ha- is I cannot have it rooted in anything but the Lord or I get frustrated and sad and self-pity. Oh, it's the worst self-pity because I think Mm -hmm. I deserve something or some life that I was never promised. And he never promised anything except for that he is good and he's coming back for us. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's my hope, right? Like I'm not waiting on the Lord to heal me. And for a season I was, right? I'm not, I'm not waiting for that anymore. So when you say waiting on the Lord, I love it. Cause I've got, I'm like, I can read you off the 30 scriptures that I've like, I could say them, but I mess them up sometimes and that would be embarrassing. Uh, but just all the scripture, God is like, I've written so much scripture on my heart, right? Like so much mm-hmm. truth because it comes back to you and meet you in the dark places, period. So all of you women, everybody out there, men, women, memorize chunks of scripture, stop memorizing songs, memorize it, write it on your heart, store it up. Like, just mm-hmm. like the storehouses, like in scripture where they were able to, Joshua was, they were able to provide wheat for the whole, for all of Egypt. Right. And, um, like he has asked us to store up the word in our, in our hearts. And it says when we do that, that we won't sin against him, mm-hmm. that we might not sin. Against him. We will be able to walk in the light. We will know what truth is. We will have true wisdom. We will not be folly. We will not. I mean, there's all these things it says. And I'm telling you when it says it doesn't return void. And then if you know the word of God, but you are passed out weak, cannot get to your own bed, peeing your pants on yourself, like, like just hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a daily battle. Like he is 100% meeting me in those places with the words that are stored up in my heart. Mm-hmm. They come back to me over and over and over and over. And so some days I can't spend an hour sitting and reading my Bible. Right. But he is there and the word is present because of the work I did before. And I didn't know why I was like memorizing all that because he told us to, and I want to be obedient, but it is amazing to see the fruit that has come from that and that my waiting on the Lord. Now I know what is real. Like in the old, they, we've always been waiting. The human race is waiting, right? Like mm-hmm. the old Testament, they're waiting on Jesus, right? We're waiting on a savior. And then the new Testament, we're waiting on the second coming of Christ. Like we're always waiting and we are waiting right now. I'm in great hope and anticipation. That's what, that's what waiting is, right? Like in great hope and anticipation of the coming of our Lord, like that he is coming back and, I am waiting to do that. Like I, I believe that that is happening and that, that is when I will be whole and I will be healed and I don't have to miss my kids' soccer games or like, it's not about what I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes like my whole life doesn't like, like my dream vacation is just me by myself where nobody depends on me for like three days. Like just <laughs> when I wake up and I pass out, it doesn't affect anybody's day. Their day can go on as planned because it's not about, well, when is mommy going to wake up? Is she going to go to the park with us? Is she going to be able to cook dinner? Do we need to grab something? Like, like I want to do that, but only if mommy's here, like just all the things and the, the like daily mm-hmm. parts that my family feels like in limbo with, you know, that, well, it's, if mommy's up, we'll do this, but if she's not, we'll do this. And, uh, that part is like the daily just struggle for me. But I always come back to, I'm like, man, but but God is so good and faithful and he never promised that I wouldn't suffer. He actually promised that we would and the trials and, and suffering produce perseverance and they make me patient and they make me like want Jesus more and need him. Like I feel this deep need and connection to Jesus because every day is 
about how weak I am and what I'm not, you know, and it can only be about, about what he is. Mm. And I just love that because it makes it not about me. It makes it easy to make my life not about me because it can't be because I can't do anything literally. Mm. And so I just, I think waiting on the Lord isn't like this, like waiting on him to heal me. Like I used to be, it's, it's not that my hope is in that is not in that it's in him. And if he want to do that, he knows we would be so happy. Uh, please give us a three-year stint where we don't have this again. That'd be great. Right. But yeah. ultimately, I am going to be healed, period, uh, because yeah. he's coming back. It's promised. Yeah. It is 100% promised. Yeah, that's so true. So, But why do you think God prolongs suffering and asks us to wait on him? Uh, so we know Christ more deeply. Uh, Christ suffered and uh, when we know Christ in his sufferings, like when we experience suffering, Ephesians talks about this. Uh, we know Christ, like we know him more deeply, like when he meets us in that need. I think it's also just a broken world and suffering happens because of our own sin. Um, and he allows it not because he desires me to be sick and not be with my kids. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like not he, I, I think I'm the best person for them because I'm their mom. Right. Or I think, God would love to mentor that one girl who really wants it and needs it. And I can meet that need. I love that. I want to meet that need. And he's like, no, you're in bed all the time. You can't do that. And that feels like the worst suffering to me. Cause it's like, I feel like I'm like a trapped in this body. That's not mine. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like body keeps failing me, but I still have all these hopes and dreams. And he's like, I feel like the Lord is just constantly reminding me, like, it's not about you. It's not about your dreams. Mm-hmm. Like this whole world, right, is like us suffering. Like there's death everywhere. There's destruction everywhere. Like uh, like there's joy and hope and all of those things too, so much more abundantly than we think. And, and they're there. But it has, I think that the Lord, sometimes I think that he allows long suffering so that we will learn how to depend on him. So that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Clinton and me always are like, man, we've learned, we've been sanctified so much. Why is he worth the wait? Ah, because he is he's king of kings like he's our creator he made us he deserves the wait right he deserves us to wait with the fruit of the spirit like i think sometimes long suffering you asked this before but i think it it allows us to be thankful like for what we do have instead of focusing on what we don't so many times we're like oh i want to be married or i want a kid or i want uh, to make more money than this, or I want this, I want the God to provide in this specific way. And even though it's not a promise in scripture, right? Like none of those are promises, but we want them because we've, we are living holy and we deserve it. Or we are, we have abstained, you know? And so we deserve like these things because of our holiness. And it's, that's just not who God is, which uh, we know that now as, as Christians, but when we are walking in, in truth, but he allows me to see anybody who's gone through suffering. I, I hear this all the time is how thankful they are for the moments they have, how thankful I am. Like for me, it's health. And so I'm not, I'm not present a lot with my family or in my life. And so thankful that I can sit here and talk to you about the Lord. Like I'm so thankful for this moment. I'm so thankful. I got to go to a water park today with my kids and we couldn't go till three thirty because I wasn't up, but we got to go when I was up and I got to mm-hmm. ride those slides with my kids. And Instead of being like, oh, this is pee water and I'm hot and I'm tired and I don't want to climb these steps again. Like, 
those aren't my focus. That's not my focus anymore. And if I feel that creeping up, I'm like, no, Lord, I just want to say out loud. And I do this all the time. I sound crazy, but I'm like, thank you for today. Thank you for right now. Thank you for that. I have air to breathe. Thank you that I was born at this time where I can feel safe and we're not at war and struggling and that I have a phone that takes videos and I can video my kids and then laugh about it later and relive this memory over and over. Like I want to be <laughs> thankful for my phone yeah. and it's so silly, but like, uh, my brother reminded me of this one night we were talking and he's like, you know, Jill, cause I was, I was like uncontrollably weeping and I was like, I just feel so sorry for Clinton. He did not choose this. He chose me when I was healthier and, he just takes on the way of the world and he's so good at serving us and he works so hard and then he has to come home and he's on like he has to make dinner and just, he's just on all the time mm-hmm. and doesn't get a break. And I was just crying. I was like, I just want him to have a break and I can't give it to him. And it's so hard. And, uh, Thor was like comforting and we prayed and he was just like reading scripture over me. And then he was like, you know what? He's like, I just kind of wish you were a little bit more thankful sometimes. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> which we're that that's me and Thor that's me and my brother we call each other on our stuff you know Mm -hmm. like to the carpet (laughs) um and I was like oh yeah I should I mean sure we should all be more thankful he's like you know what and him and his wife are incredible and they have a great marriage but he's like you have the most incredible marriage he's like your best friend is your husband literally 14 years later (laughs) he's your best friend y'all laugh together all the time every time I see you you have three amazing kids um God has provided a way for y'all to still stay at Sky Ranch and your medical bills to be paid for and a nanny to live in your house that you don't pay for because God has provided the funds for that to happen so that y'all could stay in ministry and still do what you do. And so be thankful always. Like that's what we're supposed to be instead of complaining about all these things. You sound like the Israelites that just complained about everything. And I do that, you know, like my, my human sinful heart just complains. And he's like, I think, not I think I believe the Lord does everything through suffering, like not everything, but in my life, it's everything, everything, all the fruit, all the lessons, all the stories come through suffering right now, because that is, it sounds like it's like this evil thing. Suffering for me means that my life, uh, is all consumed by something other than what, like my choice might be, you know, but now I'm like, we choose this, like Clinton and me always say, we choose this and to live in this and to walk in this with hope because look at all God's done. And, when you recount what God has done in your life, you can't sit in it. Like you can't sit and wallow and wait with like anger. You have to wait like with patience and with like excitement and hope because you like know God is doing something. And even if you don't ever get to see the fruit of that, even if it's for the benefit of Nixon and something that he needs in his story to be that his mom was sick, like, and even if I die before I ever get to see that come to fruition, I think the question is always, is it still worth it? Like, is it worth it? And it is. It's worth being a believer. It's worth knowing Jesus. It's worth suffering. And every day that I don't, every day that hurts and is hard is worth it because I know God is doing something through it. And I've seen him do things through it. But even if I don't see all of it, I know it's, I know because that's who he is, that he's working it out for good. And it's going to, there's a reason, there's a purpose beyond what I can see. So, wow. That's so stinking amazing. I mean, it's such a cool testimony of just like trusting in the Lord and suffering. And he has taught you so much in that. And so I'm so thankful for you sharing that with us. And 
Um, I'd love for you to give us maybe some scripture. I'm sure, like you said, you have just like written all of that on your heart and have just like meditated on scripture. But um, is there something like in particular um, that you could share with us that you really hang on to um, in this season? Prayer. Um, I prayed before and I had read the books on prayer and, you know, just knew what scripture said about prayer. And, uh, but now it's like my, I don't know, lifeboat. It's like what, it's how I connect to the Lord, like just mm-hmm. praying. And I like Timothy Keller wrote a book called prayer. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Everyone should read it. Uh, Paul, I don't know. He's like this apostle that wrote a bunch of letters in the Bible. Uh, but in Romans, one of the things it talks about, uh, it says, uh, in Romans, Romans 12. I don't know if it's 11 or 12. I don't remember, but it says be patient in tribulation and that period be constant in prayer. And it goes through a whole list of things to walk in the spirit there. But I love that. It's like be patient in tribulation period. Jill, be patient, wait on the Lord and then be prayerful. Like be constant in prayer. It doesn't say pray sometimes be constant in prayer. Like be constantly thanking the Lord, be constantly aware of what the Lord is doing. And so I think that's something that I really hold on to. And um, like I said, just giving thanks uh, in prayer. And so in Colossians three fifteen through 17, this is one of the scriptures I really like cling to too, is be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I always think, be think, Jill, be, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. Like the word of God is my, duh, like Jen Wilkin, women of the word, and then all of her Bible studies, uh, Kevin DeYoung. I'm like, I would name off all the authors, but those are just really great resources that the word is what sustains me, not a, a book an author wrote. They give me hope and there's some really great truths from them, but like, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, richly, teaching and admonishing us, sing songs, be thankful, and whatever we do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I like, am so corny and cheesy, but I'm always like, okay, if I'm going to pass out when I crawl, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. Like, I'm going to do this for the glory of God, you know? Like, and it's like, yes, I get to do that. Like, I get to take this, whatever this is on for the glory of God. Or if I'm going to, like, whatever it is, like, pour this cup of coffee, like whatever it is for the glory of God. And that sounds so weird, Like it can't be sin. You can't be like, I'm going to, you know, do this worldly thing for the glory of God or binge on this Netflix show. No, (laughs) no. But like good, holy things that are part of our life that we get to practice for the glory of God. So I think for me, prayer is really just like something I have learned to like walk in like constantly. And I didn't know what that looked like before. Yeah. Dang. He's taught you so much in that and I love it. Uh, but Jill, we have made it to our last three questions that I ask every guest on the podcast. (laughs) Here we go. And this first one is always hard because especially like, uh, wise women like you were like, Oh, there's 500 things that I would tell 20 somethings, but I'd love to know what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something. (laughs) <laughs> i know right uh, uh everything right we always <laughs> want to know more than what we know at the season of life we know 
or the season of life we're in. Like yeah. we always want to like, like we're looking to that next stage and I'm like, Oh, I love reflecting on that. Like last stage. Oh man. So many things mm-hmm. have fun, uh, work hard, learn a good work ethic. Like even if it's a job that you don't love and you don't want to do, do it anyway for the glory of God. Like, like take what he's given you and put right in front of you and do it well. Like he talks about in Luke, how those who are faithful with a little, he'll give more to And I don't think he, I don't think he's going to give you your dream if you're not faithful in the little things. Right. Or like, mm-hmm. just like give you all the things you've ever wanted when your character is not good. Like when you are a liar or you aren't, you don't have integrity or you are lazy. Like those things that you, you can do that now. And it's harder to change your habits the older you are. Uh, so just work on all the things that are hard and get a mentor and meet with them regularly. Somebody with gray hair, somebody who's like five years older than you and then 10 years older than you and then 20 and then 50, like ask all the questions, hear their stories. Don't talk back. Just listen, 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 and learn, uh, get plugged into your church. Do it. Stop expecting everything to come to you and go take it. Like not in this like worldly sense, but like go build a community of believers like of people that aren't just like you, like go do that. You have to do the work to do that. Go serve at your church faithfully every weekend, get plugged into the nursery, go rock babies so that moms can be in church, go love on high school kids that need a consistent mentor in their life and go to their ball games. Like you don't have to be a part of another parachurch organization to do that. I mean, do if you want to be involved, like those are, there's some great organizations, but your church has kids right there that need and youth and families that need served and loved. Um, I think another thing would be to travel if you have the money, um, go, go to the place you want to go when you have a family, uh, that's like double or triple or quadruple the price. So just go (laughs) like find the cheap flight and go with a friend and go travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then my number one would be, uh, learn the word, be in it, read it, like devour it, spend the time, all the time that you can like storing it up in your twenties. Um, I just, I think that there's nothing else that you could spend your time that would be more valuable than that. And stop, stop saying you're going to become this person and become that person, right? Mm -hmm. Do the hard work period and become the person, the woman and, or the man that God created you to be. God just doesn't give that to you because you read the Bible. Like you read the Bible and you learn what faithfulness is. You learn the character or nature of God. You learn what the fruit would be, like what it would look like to live a holy life. And then you go live it. And when you're not living it, you have a mentor telling you, you're not living it out here. And you're mm-hmm. honest and you say, hey, I made this mistake and I did this and I didn't do this. Like you just be honest or, hey, I'm struggling with a pornography addiction and I need help. Like asking for help and getting wisdom and go to counseling and just Get the most emotionally, spiritually healthy you can so that you can go live the rest of your life with peace in your heart, if that makes sense. Like just confident in who you are, confident in the Lord, like in those things. It's not like this, like it's hard work. It's not easy. It's not just going to come. You're not just going to be that person. You have to do the work. And so I wish somebody would have just beat that into me, you know, just said that over and over every day. Uh, when I was like right out of college, you know, it's hard because you're like making a way for yourself and figuring it out. And do I like this job and should I change or should I move to a different state or should I get married or should I not or should I whatever? And I'm like, you pray about it and you make a way, you're in the word and you make a decision and then you give it everything you have and you're faithful to that commitment, you know, and you work really hard and you let the Lord 
do work through you and just not be selfish with your time. Like it's not all about you. And like if you are spending more time working out and putting on your makeup than you are like reading the pages of scripture every day, then there's something wrong in your heart. You know, like Mm -hmm. you just, I mean, if you're training for a marathon, you have to run three hours. It's one thing, but uh, our focus shouldn't be so much on self. It should be on waiting for the Lord, you know, waiting for with expectation while doing the work that he's called us to do here. So good. Are there any resources you could put in our hands around this topic? (laughs) Um, Yes. So topic of scripture is the Bible. Uh, Topic of the word would be women of the word by Jen Wilkin or taking God at his word by Kevin DeYoung. Um, and then Elizabeth Elliot's one of my favorites. Uh, one I'm reading right now is called keep a quiet heart. Mm. And Mm. it's all about like, what does it look like with the Holy spirit to like live in peace? Like, and she talks about how, if, if there's something wrong in her, like if she's in sin or there's something wrong in her life, she's wrestling inside and she knows that the Holy spirit's telling her to confess or she knows that she's not walking with the Lord. Like she knows like, because she's so close with the Lord, you know, and knows the word. And I just, I don't know. There's something about me in that, that loves like, if you're wrestling and at war inside, then you need to stop and pause and like figure out what God is trying to tell you. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, Elizabeth Elliot's so great at that, but, um, a really great resource for people who are like waiting or in, and, um, uh, really like, what, what's the word suffering, like walking mm-hmm. through some suffering health or infertility or whatever that looks like for you, uh, is hope heals is one. Uh, it's by Catherine and Jay Wolf. And she's just got an incredible story and it's, she suffered a massive brain stem stroke. And, um, anyway, she just lives an incredible life and gives hope. So if you need hope, that's, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. other one I think is great for anything is called anything (laughs) by Jenny Allen is just all about like being willing to do whatever the Lord calls you to do. Period. Mm. It's pretty Mm. good. So it's good girl. Okay. Lastly, what is refreshing you these days, Jill? (laughs) (laughs) Pee water at water parks. Seriously though. Yes, it does. I'm like, mine are going to sound lame and not cool. Because I want to be, like, creative and, like, ooh, I want them to remember me like this. It'll be so funny. But honestly, <laughs> the most refreshing thing to me, like, is a deep conversation with a friend um, about the Lord and about just what is going on in their life and their world and where we sit and pray and talk and cry. And that doesn't sound refreshing to some people, but just seeing, being able to carry, I feel like a lot of people carry my burden with me and serve our family and love us. So to be able to like love somebody and listen and like know how to pray for them uh, is a dream. So that uh, I love um, <laughs> coffee. Uh, so drinking coffee is a highlight of my day. Thank you. That. Uh, did people get stuck on this? What's refreshing to you? What's your refreshing to you? Uh, I, it changes all the time, but, uh, I lately have been going to this class at the gym called Dance Jam, (laughs) and it's like, 
It's like <laughs> this really awesome African American dude teaches it, and uh, it's like all like hip hop songs. And I can't like I'm not like a dancer, but I just love pretending <laughs> that I can hip hop dance. Yes. Uh, so that's. Fun. I wish people could see you and you could like show us your moves. Oh, that would be great. Maybe maybe another time <laughs> I'll show you my dance jam moves. You need to post that on your website. Yeah. Uh, I know the other thing that's refreshing is Sky Ranch. Going out to Sky Ranch because it's camp season for us. Mm-hmm. And just being around college guys and girls that like, gosh, so much energy and yeah. love Jesus so much. And they love my kids and my family. And I just love it. It brings me so much life to go out there. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I miss it so much. Yes. We, shoot, you can always quit teaching and come back. Okay. <laughs> okay, deal. We have a few job openings, so you can check them out. Oh, man. Don't even tempt me. No, I love teaching. I love teaching, but I miss Sky Ranch. I was literally just talking last week about, I was like, I think it was my prime. Like, summer, whatever that was, it was my prime so far in my lifetime. <laughs> I love it so yes. much. It's like, that's the best version of myself. Yes. Like, that my first summer as a counselor, I'm like, oh dream yeah like when you like I think when you go to heaven you know and like the idea is that you are like your prime not necessarily in your human life but somehow you're not like an old person you know yeah I think I'm gonna be like summer 2016 Emma or something like that but I don't know (laughs) (laughs) your heavenly body is your 2016 body I don't think that's biblical at all, but all over you. He's like throwing it at you instead of of jewels and crowns. You get glitter. Exactly. Yes. It's a good picture. Yeah. So (laughs) Uh, anyways, thank you, Jill. I so appreciate you coming on and your story is just insane. And I think everybody who's listening can learn from you and um, just all that the Lord is teaching you and doing in and through you and um, yeah, you rock. Hey, you rock. I'm, I'm excited to see what God does through this. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jill today. Her story is crazy, and I was deeply impacted by our conversation. Funny story, we recorded for about two and a half hours, which is death a record here on the podcast. But I enjoyed every single minute of it. Would you take a minute to go leave a rating and review on iTunes? Maybe share the episode with a friend and tell them you love them? Or post it on social media and make sure you tag me if you do it on Instagram at Podcast. You guys are the best. Stay fresh, my people.